I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. personally when we did the interviews with uh, Geraldine I had an immediate connection when, when I when she opened the door as if I had known her as soon as she opened the door it was like a blast of energy and I was like whoa there's some familiarity there and okay guys welcome back to the Grime America show we are gonna be chatting with John Sample a little bit later uh, of course he's part of the documentary extraordinary the seating about alien abduction and I think some pregnancies and stuff like that. The hybrid program. Yeah, this whole, the MyLab, we get into some MyLab stuff. You uh, alien folks are really going to like this one. Abduction tales. It's good stuff. And we got uh, our own abductee. Graham, I got abducted in Israel. Dunlop, how's it going, buddy? I didn't, no missing time there, buddy. No missing time. Except for the blackout drunks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, actually there was some missing time, but. I've heard uh, you hear the stories about the blacked out drunks and people that are like on uh, psychedelics and see the demon on the shoulder. Really? Yeah. Wow. I've heard that story a few times. I think wow. on Mysterious Universe. Oh, wow. Shout out to Mysterious Universe. Hmm. You know? yeah. We don't talk about those guys enough and they are actually part of the genesis of this show. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. just because Aaron and I had a falling out. It's okay. Yeah. Falling out seemed to be a part of podcasting. Yeah. Bound to happen. Yeah, it, brought, it got brought up a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of days ago, actually, by somebody. And we said, yeah, that was the one. Oh, is that the NA meetup? Yeah, big shout out to the NA meetup. All right, we should talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we went yeah. to the No Agenda meetup. It was fantastic. A bunch of dude, dudes named Ben. I mean, honestly, Calgary's NA crowd is a completely dude named, dude named Ben. But we, we were giving them our cards out and stuff. And then, of course, Adam Curry had to mention the... Well, I got the picture you, uh, of you interviewing the yeah, Adam yeah, Curry yeah, cardboard cutout. That. Yeah, thanks, dude. I didn't even see that. I don't want to see it. I tweeted it yeah. and Curry liked it. <laughs> so you're like half famous. Uh, I was actually going to check because I thought I had an email from, was it Ian? Yep. Ian. That's right. Yep. That the uh, engineer we were talking with. Yeah. He's a fascinating fellow. He yeah. bought, was nice enough to buy me dinner. Thank you very much for dinner. Nice. I think that's the first dinner I got out of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sure there's more. Oh, remember yeah. the time Justin bought us breakfast? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Justin. I think you were actually the first person to feed Grand America. Actually, no. Spam. Whoever sent the spam has fed us multiple times, and I think it's probably just a matter of time until Graham eats the expired spam that's here now. Oh, it's a fake expired date, dude. That's fine. It says- I'm actually uh, pretty hungry, but- So do we talk about the end of my fast? I mean, speaking of food- Oh yeah, you did. I gotta say, you did better than I thought. Yeah, one week, no food. But now it looks like you have boobs a little bit. What's going on there? Really? Right. Maybe I really. Well, you maybe know, your just muscles are coming back. Maybe my muscles are coming back. Yeah. You been doing push-ups? No, Not I haven't done me? anything. Uh, Actually, I was doing some uh, elliptical. With that, gets the arms going a little bit. There you go. <laughs> Out of boy. I you know all I do is the three. Jump rope. That's perfect. Jump that's bit good. of rope. That's all you need. Do my push-ups and, and your my sit-ups. Sit yeah. That's all you need. Good. 
I got the contest with Polly. We're racing to a hundred. He's way out in front. You haven't done a hundred yet? Uh, in a straight. Hundred straight push-ups? Yeah. Oh wow! How many can you do? I did fifty today. Oh. Wow. And that was like shaking to do yeah. the last one, and then I like collapsed on the ground for a couple of minutes. Cool. Actually, that was yesterday, but he's already at sixty-five, so I think he's going to take this one. Wow, that's good. So I was at. I was going to go ten days. You Went did seven. seven days. Yeah, I did a full week. And I was feeling good. Like, I honestly didn't really need to eat them. No. I mean, it was There's just a, it was a logistical. Mornings, it was a logistical thing, really. But I felt clearer, energized. You were more less focused. grumpy than I expected, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And by the end, you're great. You had a little glow to you. But I yeah, got to say, it, it, uh, when I come in today and you're cramming a fucking crouton in, a crouton? It's disappointed. Or a it's a croissant. Croissant. Well, I haven't started the intermittent fasting yet. I mean, I should have went right into keto with that. I, I kind of, I kind of. Well, am. that's what you said you're I doing. Am, but, but uh, no, I. Kinda, so, what'd you break yeah. the fast with? A coffee, actually. Does it have cream and sugar? No. Then that's not breaking, is it? Yeah, it is. I had a little bit of honey. You must have there. been jittery. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really weird. I felt the caffeine for once. You know, and then I had a vegetable wrap, like a salad wrap. I just started listening to... But I'll tell you, the diarrhea came. Did it? Yeah. I didn't... I think I'm supposed to follow a better protocol of replenishing your so, stomach. So listen your to stomach this. going, because it was like, it was bad. I'm in the middle. I just started... I had a recommendation for an audiobook I'm listening to. Yeah. Uh, was it Michael Singer? Michael A. Singer? Anyway, the book's called The Surrender Experiment, and it's been great so far. But he talks about how, so this guy kind of gets obsessed with going inward Yeah. back in the 70s. Okay. And he actually got himself on a diet where Michael A. Singer. Okay. He got himself on a diet that he was only eating like a small salad. Yep. Every other day. Okay. Because he noticed he could get into a meditative, yeah. meditative yep. state. Toy. I love the meditation when I was really, fasting. Eh? It was fantastic. I was just sitting there almost in bliss, just like, just, you know, and I wanted to do it more. That's why I wanted to keep going in a way, but it was just the logistics of it were difficult with having to cook for the next week and get all set up and all that. And, but it, it's amazing that you don't need food. You really no, and don't. You didn't even like lose much weight. How much yeah, did you lose? Like probably 10 pounds in the end. Yeah, maybe 15. No, 11? No, 11. You could have jogged that off. Yeah. It was all like, I think but, it was you know, just, you'd think if someone goes with 10 days without eating, they would waste away to nothing. I think it was all swelling and water. You only did seven days. Yeah. So that you did a quarter of what they say you could live for. Yeah. I bet you, you could go like six weeks. Without eating. Buddy Mike, who was in Vancouver, who was sort of coaching me through it and all that. And, and, uh, he had me on the crat on the uh, couple ounces of uh, pomegranate juice in there, and he he had this experience experience after a fast where it was like Kundalini full blown. I think he might have talked about it on the show yeah, before. Yeah, I remember this. But uh, he's on an alternate day fast right now, so he he eats like every second day as well. Really? So it is incredible that we are just conditioned to eat three nasty meals you know a day what? you know it's brutal Super and we really don't even need that like how can i go seven days without eating a thing and i felt great i felt better in a way like i'm almost craving to go back there 
I've been yeah, I've been slipping up and on crate, my eating for a lot for a couple of weeks now. I gotta get, gotta get back in the groove. Yeah, you hardly eat, anyway. but yeah, I mean, I can, I can easy slip into a hardly eating mode. But I did fit, feel the craving switch. They changed, you know. Towards the end, I didn't have that craving for the junk food, and even right now, I don't really crave junk. Like I had the like croissant and egg sandwich in the morning, and that was that yes, was yes, I'm uh, recording. <laughs> that was um, that doesn't even taste. It doesn't even taste as. That's good either, really. And it's just, I don't know. Does anything taste better? See, it would have been neat to try an apple. Yeah, you can. Like yeah, what, you can. You should have had an apple. Yeah, things or like taste, some yeah it tastes different. Everything fresh tastes. Fresh eggs or, you know, something yeah, that would, yeah. something that your gut well, would be like. Because eggs. if you did like a weird cleanse, then you're, you know, some yeah. of those cravings might be gone. Well, like even, your, even your Maria, gut bio might not be after the sugar or after the this exactly, or after the exactly. that. So it's tasting different. Yeah. Maria says she tasted things again after only three days of fasting. So super interesting. I mean, I've probably done two days of fasting just because of my, uh, well, benders don't alcoholism. Count. can't eat, you know, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. No. Interesting. Okay. Well, I've never done it, but I mean, <laughs> I, I was on a protocol there for a while where if you don't count my coffees, I was doing 16 hours almost all the time. Yeah. But were you dumping like four teaspoons of sugar in your coffee at that point? I do two of the bags. Yeah. You do? I was on the stevia for a while, but I'm back on the sugar. Are you really? Wow. Refined sugar. Why don't you do honey? Raw sugar. Oh. Honestly, just because it's it's hard to do honey at work. I guess I could just bring just some bring honey in. Jar honey in, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a good excuse. The sugar's there. I'm just on it. Well, I think I'm going to try the, the intermittent. I'm going to go try and go from uh, 12 to 5 eating eating during 12 to 5 or 6 and then just go from after that it's like the snacking at night which kills you go go from after dinner and this is not every single day but for the work days the weekdays like go from after dinner don't eat all the way to lunch and just have a black coffee with some stevia in it in the morning the other that's kind of what I'm trying to do the other thing is, is I've I've managed to get myself into for like five and a half weeks straight now into an exercise protocol which I've never, or even six weeks. So I think I've, you know, I've been on and off and here and there, but I've actually managed, it's in the habit now that I don't miss it. You know, it's the first thing I do when I get out of bed in the morning to start it. So I feel like that has given me the freedom to give up on a couple other things. Yeah. Like the fact that I'm getting exercise every day makes me feel like I can cheat yeah, on my well, diet yeah, well, more yeah. than I could before. Just, that's the slippery slope, though. That's so this is a problem, which do exist, Scott Adams. Yeah. When he comes on in November, we'll have to debate this, but, yeah. um, I mean, I don't know. I'm, uh, not carrying a lot of body fat right now yeah. and I'm still eating some sugar and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, you're looking good. I don't have a scale, but I've probably lost weight, which is not good. Can't afford to lose any more weight over here. So anyway, that's it. Anyways. Yeah. The big, fast was good. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. You big, did. You exceeded my expectations. Great. I must awesome. say. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to trying it again. The, watching the cravings was really interesting. It wasn't the body. I liked the hunger part of the body. Like I liked feeling like slimmer and not as bloated and not as swollen, not, you know, swollen, like unhealthy, swollen, mm -hmm. not like mm -hmm. muscle swollen. And, uh, and watching those, it was all in the mind. It was all about like reaching for food or reaching for snacks, like emotional eating. And it was great to just sit back and watch that and not just go with the first instinct of like, okay, now I'm getting home. What am I eating? You know, like always looking forward to that next meal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And you know, there's something about being hungry. 
I think we humans operate at peak capacity when they're hungry. Yeah, that's interesting. I really do. And I do feel like food is designed to like... I mean, it doesn't help that we're eating shitty food most of the time. It's designed to make you want to eat more. It's scientifically designed that way. Like you read that book, Salt, Sugar, Fat, it's unbelievable. And slow you down too. The amount of energy engineering that goes into the taste, the mouthfeel, and yeah. the, the bliss point of food. See, this is a problem. I was actually chatting with someone today and I made the comment that part of the problem is that we lost like a couple generations of the best psychologists just got sold to the advertising industry. Yeah. And it's like they were working against us yeah. and making propaganda. And yeah. it's just like, what's a Bernetsky or your Bernays? Bernays. Yeah. And, you know, you start looking down that whole history of psychology and it's like, you know, it really makes you start to wonder like, so you've got, it's almost like there's two schools of psychology. One of them's trying to manipulate you and the other one's trying to supposedly fix you. Yeah. But really what they're probably trying to do is Identify help you into a category. <laughs> well, that too, but they're also probably trying to, in some ways, adapt you to an environment that's probably not conducive to humans in a lot of ways. You know, like this isn't really how we're, you know, we've, we're in, you know, we talk about it all the time. Where humans are crammed into this work a day fucking world, and it's just you know it's not normal. Yeah. So people are breaking down, having issues. Yeah. So we have these psychologists to try and straighten them out yeah. instead. So you know it's interesting when you think about it that way. That's the way Dave McGowan would have looked at it. Yeah. A a uh, he passed with honors and got his master's in psychology. Did he? Yeah. Wow. He never practiced a day. That's fantastic. All propaganda. That's fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? Actually, I shouldn't comment on the never yeah, it's not all practice a day, but uh, he definitely didn't utilize it. Hmm. Anyway, what do you got? Well, this is I don't where have we, the jingle board. I forgot we, it. This is where we ramble on about stuff before the show, but it is 9-11 today as we're recording. If Hopefully the episode's coming out tonight. But, you know, oh, so wait, it's, it's- Hey, before you get into that then, I forgot it's 9-11. Jeez. How can I forget such a thing? So I actually got ahead of it last night. I did my annual September 10th, never forget, Donald Rumsfeld came out on September 10th, 2001, yeah. and announced that the Pentagon could not account for $2.3 trillion, yeah. and the war of the future would be a war on waste. Then the next day something happened. We forgot about yeah. that. I can't remember what it was. So what do you do to celebrate this thing? Or so to, every to year I post the... Never forget. Because oh, okay, here's okay, the thing, okay. is that we're getting into generations of people yeah. that weren't alive when <laughs> yeah. September 11th happened. Yeah. So this is how the propaganda washes over. And it's like... So, I can't so, all these so every year, kind of the... I make sure I use all the popular 9-11 hashtags. And yeah. let me clarify by saying, I know a lot of people died on 9-11. And I'm not trying to minimize that minimize at all. That oh, at yeah. all. I not think all. it's terrible. Yeah. If anything, I think that makes it more important to try and shine a light on what might actually happen. So I use the, all the popular 9-11 hat, never forget, hashtag never forget 9-11. And I use the Rumsfeld meme, never forget, basically what I just said. And uh, it's always really popular. Like we got uh, 50 shares and 120 likes so far. And we have a small Facebook presence, so that's big for us. But I thought it might be fun to um, just roll through some of the comments. Sure, yeah, do it. So what do we got? We'll go with, uh, okay. 
Oh, we got a meme here. That awkward moment when the BBC screwed up. <laughs> so there's actually a, a screenshot of when the BBC was announcing that Building 7 had collapsed, <laughs> when you can clearly see Building 7 in the background still. <laughs> uh, and then... And then the report just came out this year, oh. like a few weeks ago, about the Building 7 having, the, you know, the columns. It was a global global collapse Catastrophic of the Catastrophic failure right? of them all, yeah. Of them all. Not just... Uh, Comment two is said. another meme. Okay. It says, share if you've been looking for 15 years and still can't find the plane. And it's a picture of the Pentagon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is the question, you know, I firmly believe planes hit the towers, but I don't think that happened at the Pentagon. Ah, here's friend of the show, Terrence Douglas. So then, you are saying we blew up our own trade center buildings just to cover up the money laundering? One more fake news post from you people, and I'm blocking you permanently. <laughs> Lee Smith says, do you believe it was Bin Laden? Anyway, I think uh, Terrence is a troll. Here we go. Uh, Why'd you say his friend of the show? Have you read well, he's before, always or? around. Is he? Yeah. So then we have Melissa, only a limited number of planes have ever been obliterated on impact with the ground or a building, all of them in the U.S., all of them on the same day. Yeah. Then Terrence replies, good point, and I'm a terribly analytical person. I may never be totally convinced one way or another, but I can tell you this much. Some of the videos of the planes hitting the buildings would have to have been pre-planned or even computer generated, too steady and too much clarity. The real question I need answered is then what really happened to those four planes? Where did they really go? Three of them couldn't have just vanished without a trace, and we all know they all took off from the ground. So where are they? We have another meme here from Ashley. It shows the two World Trade Centers, and it says, never forget. And it shows the building, building seven. seven in the corner, and it says, forget. <laughs> <laughs> I love that meme. That's so good. So here's a little... Uh, some stats from one of our top fans, uh, just some 9-11 stats. And, uh, it is said two, 2,799 people died on 9-11, 6,796 troops were killed in Afghanistan and Iraq, 51,000 troops were wounded in Afghanistan and Iraq, 316,000 civilians were killed in Afghanistan and Iraq, 19 hijackers. Zero from Afghanistan or Iraq. Yeah. That's the, to me, that's the big one. You invaded two countries other than the one the hijackers came from. Yeah. You just keep giving them money and bombs. Yeah. It seems like every year there's more and more of these clearly made memes and bullet points of all the things you just can't ignore, all the coincidences. So here's another. The New York Fire Commissioners of New York Fire District recently voted unanimously to call for a new investigation based on the overwhelming evidence that explosives brought down the buildings. Wow. Uh, da, da. I was watching The Missing Trillions uh, from Corbett today. It's fantastic. Ooh, that's a good one. And he had a new one out too about, uh, he had a new one out today about whistleblowers, I think. 9-11. Corbett? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he would have had some good stuff. I mean, he, stuff is really interesting, he right? really has become one of the one of the go-to guys yeah. uh, at yeah. Interweave. Uh, just no nonsense. It's all factual. There's no conspiracies there. You know, he's just saying, hey, this is what, where did the money go? You yeah. Know? Follow the money. Yeah. 
follow the trillions you know oh and the inside there was even the insider trading right yeah insider trading shorting airlines of planes that shortly later ran it i mean someone made four million dollars on or, insider trade so that to me is a problem yeah that's a big problem right off the bat well silverstein made four billion 4.6 billion on the insurance and he took the oh, right. he and took he the got, airlines to court too and won he won i think he got double he got <laughs> and he the, took the airlines because it was two separate attacks it's unbelievable yeah it really is unbelievable i'm just looking for i've got one jingle i can play before you read your quotes because i think that's the only jingle i got uh da, 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 da. unless i can't find it here it is i got it ready yep this has actually quickly become one of my favorite jingles. Another way to add value to the show, people send us jingles instead of cash. It's the profound quote of the week. Derek, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Okay, so this is again, I mean, rustling around honestly, again. we got to go with uh, the octopus of global control again from Charlie Robinson. I mean, this has become my, my profound quote textbook here because uh, there's a bunch of 9-11 ones in here. So I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to read three today. Three? Before, yeah. Because right. it's a special day. It today. is a special day. You know, it feels kind of bad to call 9-11 a special day. No, it, it, no, it doesn't. It, this is a special I'm day torn. in remembrance of the people that, that died on this day. Yeah, I mean, I'm torn it, you know, because we're on terrible... the other side of the fence. But that is, is, we, is that, you know. It is a spe people know special. Special doesn't always mean yeah. good. I mean, you people you know, know we care. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, then you probably shouldn't be listening to the show at this point. This is, figure that out. this is from the chapter of Covert Control, I believe, under the subheading, Using PNAC to Lay the Groundwork for the War. I'm telling you to be prepared for a major. Oh, that you're gonna love this one. Okay, you gotta. I'm telling you to be prepared for a major attack, but it won't be Osama bin Laden. It will be those behind the new world order. Whatever is going to happen. Whatever is going to happen that they are going to blame on Osama bin Laden, don't you even believe it? That was William Cooper, author and radio talk show host, June twenty eighth. 2001 75 days before 9-11 happened Jeez, is bill is he dead uh, i think so yeah you would be saying stuff like that <laughs> man what a guy to have on the show that would have been eh? yeah okay here's the next one let's go dead air dunlop Someone's here? Maybe. Well, fuck, go. The second attack is the one that is captured on news film because he, Bush, is in the middle of a photo opportunity listening to these children read My Pet Goat at the elementary school in Oh, Sarasota, I just watched that video Florida. today. Where they're like, kite, plane, hit, steal, must. Really? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> It's unbelievable. My personal analysis 
of this is that he is frozen in fear, terror, and panic. He does not know what to do. And he sits there waiting for someone to tell him what it is he must do. He is not an active president. He does not call for telephones. He doesn't issue a parade of crisp orders. He doesn't say, scramble every fighter, bring down all planes, close the the borders, go to red alert. Nothing of that kind. He sits there, and we know his press secretary, Ari Fleischer, is in the back of the room holding up a big placard saying, don't say anything. Don't comment. This is obviously not a president. This is a puppet. This is a figurehead. This is a ceremonial figure, if you'd like. This is how Bush tried to explain his behavior on the 9-11 Commission when he was interviewed. Of course, he had to be interviewed together with Cheney. The reports are that he was sitting on Cheney's lap while he gave his interview. (laughs) There were other reports that Cheney was sitting on his wife's lap because this is how he has to appear. Cheney can't appear without his wife and Bush can't appear without Cheney. So Bush said that, I sat there and tried to protect or project calm and strength. Now, this is an absurdity that is verging on pandemonium of insanity. He simply doesn't know what to do. He has to be told what to do. Yeah. Kite, plane, hit, steel, That's from Webster Tarpley. That's a quote from him. I probably have that uh, video handy, you know? That's, that, that even, I mean... That even brings that moment. Um, that's just even crazier. All right. Ready? Yep. I was real close to building seven when it fell down. That didn't sound like just a building falling down to me while I was running away from it. There's a lot of eyewitness testimony down there of hearing explosions. I didn't see any reason for that building to fall down the way it did. And a lot of guys should be saying the same thing. I don't know what, the fear is coming out and talking about. I don't know, but it's the truth. That's Craig Bartmer, a New York uh, police officer. So do you want to hear, should I play this little, uh, so this is the morning of 9-11 before the planes hit in the classroom that Bush is in. Get ready to read all these words on this page. George Bush is observing the lesson. that buddy comes in and whispers to George Bush that the trade centers had been hit. Are you sure that's real? Yeah, it's a video. Yeah, I just watched it. Yeah, it's real. Huh. These are before the deep fake days. Yeah. Okay. 
That's interesting. Like all your debauchery. Yeah. When those tapes start coming up, it's like on, <laughs> on like an eight track. It's hard to fake that shit. You had to actually cut out the film and tape tight tape and splice back then. It's tough to pull off. So support the show. What do you want to do now? Do you want me to read an email about that or about support? Yeah, yeah, do that. That'll roll us into it. We got a couple synchronicities. I'll save them for uh, when we have jingles. Yeah, that's a good point. I should just, you know, quit forgetting the jingle board probably. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a few weeks in a row now. Hmm. What do you got? Nothing? False alarm? Hey guys, I just started listening this week and I can't get enough. Three of my best friends and I are coming to CAC 2020. So pumped. I just went through a painful divorce and Grimerica has helped me find that there's hope, knowledge, and a beautiful mysteries in life. No small thing. I just signed up for monthly. No Good brainer. Keep doing what you're doing and I look forward to meeting you. Peace and gratitude. Peace and gratitude to you, sir. I hope uh, you bounce back from divorce. Well, it's nah, not an easy thing. Um, and thanks for the email. We'll see you at CAC. Could be some surprise goodie bags at CAC. I was talking to a friend of the show from California yesterday. I won't go into details on names here now. He knows where he, who, who he is. He knows we love him. Uh, yeah, CAC's going to be special. It's going to be a fantastic time. Right now, there's three spots left. Uh, 1-8-25 and two ten fifties. Those are two single rooms and one double bedroom, like a hotel sort of setup. Uh, you could probably double occupancy any of those and just, just by adding 40%. So shoot me an email if you want a spot. There's only three left, and this is already after the expansion. So we always like, and we always end up adding some spots after we say we're we're sold out. We've already done that. So these are the last three spots, and people can check that out at the contact at the, the, the show notes. There's a link there. There's a new site available for that. That's right, and we'll probably start. I got all the information on Soap Lake from Rando yep. yesterday, the day before. At some point, the days are all blurring together been a crazy couple of months uh it's been a crazy summer I think that's about what it. was i gonna say no i was in the middle oh yeah so the soap lake stuff's coming in so we'll probably start getting some more particulars on the randall event uh in the next couple of weeks i'd say in the next two to three weeks we'll start hammering out some of those details uh shoot me an email darrenacromerica.com if that's something you're interested in if you want to get on that waiting list it's going to be 25 spots max gonna be a little pricier but uh it's gonna be five or six days so and it's gonna be pretty special one of a kind this thing's gonna take off uh what else support the show grammarica.ca slash support uh because we love you and we need some support and uh yeah the bills keep coming so we need the support to keep coming as well head over today we got a brand new support page made up there uh everything works automatically we got stripe we got patreon we got paypal we got the cryptos we got whatever you need support the show you can send cash in a book if you're in canada you want to do an email transfer tell you what you're trying to get cash to us you let us know we'll figure out a way to accommodate you and then we'll keep coming up with a quality product just like this a fantastic interview john anything else that's about it all right guys enjoy the chat john sample
All right, we got a special one tonight. We've got John Sample here. He's uh, part. He's one of the creators of Extraordinary: The Seeding, which is the second documentary in a chil- trilogy um, about uh, you know alien contact, abductions, and stuff like that. So, uh, looking forward to getting into this a little bit, John. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. It's a. It's been an interesting journey for sure. Yeah, it's good to talk about. It. I mean, part of me, part of me wants to resist talking about it, but. Uh, you know, cause I'm one of the guys out there trying to make contact. So it's, uh, it's kind of the other side of the coin, but we like uh, to explore all topics in here and UFOs is a big part of what we talk about. So, uh, yeah, definitely interested to learn more about it. I watched your film. It was great. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. It was really, uh, really good. I liked how you had a different, uh, you know, you had some of the guys that you wouldn't traditionally see in a film like that, you know, like the Alejandro mm-hmm. Rojas and the, uh, and, uh, What's his name? Uh, Richard Dolan. Yeah. Well, yeah, him too. Yeah. Yeah. It was good to. Uh, Mark D'Antonio. Yeah. The, the Antonio. Yeah. I met those guys once at the 20. When did I go? 2013. I think it was. I uh, think it was the 20 Congress there. Yeah. No, it was the 2013. Yeah. yeah. It was great chatting with, that, with those guys. Yeah. I volunteered at that one. And okay. uh, yeah, it's just good to see them in the, in the film, given a, a sort of balanced perspective on it, you know? Yeah, that was interesting to get those guys in the first place, uh, you know, when we talked to them and told them what we were doing. Yeah. And uh, that we wanted to have expertise that was, um, I wouldn't say, you know, they're they're far from hook, line, and sinker, that's for sure. And yeah. uh, they add a lot of, I think, credibility because they ask challenging questions and uh, we made sure that they held true to their MO. So yeah. it was good to get that perspective as well. Yeah, exactly. So what, uh, what started this whole thing off for you? Like the trilogy, I guess. I mean, if you, if we can go back a little bit and get a little bit of the background of, sure, you know, cause it must've sure. been a little bit of a journey getting to this point. Ab- absolutely. And it was, some of it seemed to be some sort of a cosmic intervention, I would say. Uh, it started back in 2009, uh, Jack Roth, uh, one of my producing partners and creative partner in all this, he wanted to, uh, do a, uh, kind of a travel documentary throughout the Southeast of the United States to uh, visit different spots where there had been either a lot of sightings or crashes and just kind of do a get to know the people in the area type of thing and and report on that. So more of a travel documentary, but also focusing on ufology. Um, But when he, we were in the pre-production start of that uh, process, he went out to an event in uh, Denver uh, Stephen Greer event, and he wound up meeting Alejandro Rojas and Chuck Zukowski, mm-hmm. who just happened to be investigators on the Stan Romanek story. And he was shown some of the evidence there, and we were kind of introduced to that story relatively quickly. And that really is what led us to the first film. It was not something we planned on doing, but we engaged in it because <clears throat> first because we were introduced to some evidence and, you know, it was head scratching evidence and we were a little bit challenged by it and we needed to uh, vet him a lot more than he needed to vet us. But there was a long vetting process of almost two years before we finally got to a point where there was agreement to move forward. Wow. And yeah, it took a while, but once we got it all dialed in, uh, we spent time with him 
going through all of his evidence. So we made three different visits to his house and, and learned about his story and talked to a lot of the people who were present in some of the uh, events that happened in his life. So we felt pretty confident that, you know, there's a good portion of his story that, w- that was worth reporting. And yeah. you don't need to believe all of it. And yeah. a lot of it is a little sketchy. Yeah. A lot of it is... Uh, uh, I think it's not clear is 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 it something being perpetuated on him? Is it a government thing? Is it a is it a, a deep state thing? Is it alien? I mean, there's a lot of mystery that surrounds some of the things, but some of the things that happened in his story were profound, and we felt it was important enough to tell the story. Yeah. So that kind of got us there, and um, the film premiered in 2013 at a film festival in November, and. Uh, a couple months later, he does the the pen flipping cap thing with Peter Maxwell Slattery uh, in an interview, which discredited him. And there's a whole story behind that. But we were shocked when that happened because the timing couldn't have been worse. We were engaged in conversations with uh, potential distribution opportunities for right, the film. Right. And then a month later, he gives us a call and tells us that he's been arrested and has wow. known about the potential for nine months and didn't say a word to us. So we, uh, for lack of a better word, we were screwed and there's not much that we could do. So our only option was self-distribution. So we started a a website and started uh, distributing the film by ourselves in uh, May of 2014. Fast forward three years later, out of the blue, I get a phone call from The Orchard and they said, you know, we saw your film. It's really not anywhere out there. We don't see it on torrent sites. We don't see it really, you know, being represented. Are you interested in having us? get it out there. And, and we were like, absolutely. And then boom, uh, I mean, it was a phone call in January and a deal was done and the film was, uh, started, uh, digital downloads in April and it made it to Netflix by uh, July and, and it took off. They had no low expectations. They didn't spend a penny on any wow. marketing for it and the film wound up tripling what their projections were. Oh, that's great. So that's where everything changed for us because we kind of thought we were dead in the water. We we didn't have much sales at all. And then, boom, this happens. And based on the success, The Orchard came to us and said, would you guys be interested in doing another film in this genre? My initial reaction was, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't want to be pigeonholed. Uh, but they let us pick the topic. They let us pitch what we wanted to do. And we pitched the idea of let's continue the story that we started uh, not necessarily the Stan Romanek story, but the story of uh, uh, abductions and that process that's, that one would go through with a second and a third film. So the second film focuses primarily on abduction and reproduction purposes, right. for reproduction purposes. Yeah. And we're, we've already shot the third film, and that one's uh, moving into post right now, so we hope to have that one out uh, next year. What's that one called? That one doesn't have a title yet. That okay, one's yeah. Extraordinary Three. At okay. this point. Yeah. So d- how did the Stan Romanek one come across, the, uh, you know, especially after the controversy with him and all, how did, how was it taken after or that was, was well, there, there are, it, it's polarizing. Yeah. There's yeah, no middle yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah. You're either, you either believe it or you don't. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's equally yoked on both sides. Yeah. It's a stalemate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there is no middle ground. So we, we had some challenges with it, but uh, you know, our whole thing is we're, we're reporting a story. Uh, we're uh, documenting in you know, a time frame from 2000 to 2010 and the stuff that happened with him happened in 2013. Yeah. Uh, so we really were like, that's really not part of the, the show, but we felt compelled enough to put something in at the end of the film. So it didn't look like we were skirting the issue. Right. We right. definitely addressed it at the end yeah. of the film. Yeah. Yeah. 
What is the story? Can you give us like a rundown? Just a quick, yeah, maybe just a quick one, I guess, for people. Well, he's had, you know, some people would say he's the most documented experiencer and abductee out there. He has tons of evidence. He captured photographs. Uh, He had uh, actually kept items that he had purportedly taken on craft. He had several things happen to him physically and had been documented. He had, he just had tons of video, photo, and physical things that happened yeah. to him. And several of the things happened with other people present yeah. witness to what he saw and experienced. Yeah. And he had a viral, so, viral video of a looky loo, like a gray alien popping out yeah. and then kind of looking at him yeah. and then popping back. And then there's big controversy, whether that was real or fake. I mean, that was one of the yeah, things. And he, propelled and he was him. on the Larry King. Yeah. The Larry King show, you know, with that, that video and taken out of context, that was probably the worst PR move anyone ever recommended to somebody is, Hey, go on a show where nobody knows who you are. <laughs> take this five second video clip and show it and then have people believe your story. Yeah. It's just not very smart move. Yeah. I would have never recommended that context. And that's the one thing that, you know, we've learned through this process of the films that we've made. So we've, we've got two that are out now and one that's, you know, in post-production and it's, it's when you spend time with the individuals and you get to know their story and you really spend the time getting to know them personally, as well as what they've been through, you have a much better appreciation versus seeing a five, 10 second clip on a, on a video out of context, seeing that I could see why tens of thousands of people would turn away and say no, but yeah. that's just one small piece of evidence in his story. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then in the end he got, uh, like, I think this happened, he was, he might've been at the 2013, uh, Congress that I was at. Like that was kind of the, I remember that now being the peak of, of a lot of that. And, and then he got, ended mm-hmm. up getting arrested for, uh, yeah. And that was in, yeah. that was in January, February. It was February 13th, 2014. Right. We got the phone call. Yeah. 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 So he eventually was uh, arrested, uh, went through trial like three years later in 2017, and they found him guilty. He served time. It was more, it wasn't prison. It was community service, not community service, but like a community prison, halfway house type of thing. And he had a lot of health issues and they didn't want the burden of trying to get nurse him back to health. So they let him, they released him after only like a, I think less than a year. Wow. So he's, uh, we don't keep in touch with him on a regular basis. Yeah, so we're not yeah. quite sure where he is, but the last thing that we heard was that he had cadmium poison poisoning and there was an assumption that it was administered to him. Somebody yeah. poisoned him. Yeah. It's uh oh man, that's one of those complex topics. I mean, I appreciate you, you going over it and, and giving us the rundown on it. It's just one of those things where there's so much, it, it reminds me kind of in a way of some of the older UFO cases, like the, the Billy Meyer and the other ones sure. where that, where there seems like there's so much legit stuff and then they, they get caught faking something. And then of course it's easy for everybody to just discount everything. You know, it's, right. it's just well, the one thing that always is said about Stan and a lot of other people in that, in that same category is that they're, they're doing it to make a buck. Yeah. And I can tell you that is not, yeah. <laughs> there's no, there is no, uh, riches to be had in doing this. Some people may, there might be a few people that are doing that, but when you're an experiencer versus an investigator or a researcher, yeah, yeah you get nothing but ridicule. You draw negative attention yeah. to yourself by going forward and sharing your story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the people you had, uh, in this seating, the seating documentary were pretty, they all seem pretty well balanced and well spoken and and very calm and uh they didn't seem to have 
I don't, I don't think any signs of wanting this to be, you know, they're pretty humble being on there. Yeah. Well, we went through a pretty uh, long process of vetting people. We, I think had a list of around between 40 and 50 people. We wound up interviewing uh, over 30 and we spent anywhere from two to four or five hours uh, in one or two phone calls with these individuals. And our objective was to uh, find new faces. That was very important to us and not bring people whose stories have been told numerous times. We wanted audiences that were watching it to think that, wow, this could be my next door neighbor. This could be someone I work with. This could be a family member. We wanted them to see that it's not just, uh, you know, a bunch of backwoods, you know, toothless people that are the ones getting abducted and wearing tinfoil hats. We wanted to move that, that out from the fringes and into the, the, to the masses. So the, the, big objective of the film was to reach the widest audience possible. And by telling stories that would uh, con- people could connect with, we felt that we would have a much better chance of doing that. So the, pe- the, pri- the three primary people, April, Rob, and Geraldine, very different personalities, very different experiences, but uh, very normal people. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you know you were going to sort of narrow it down to like the seating aspect and the hybridization part, or, or were you first thinking about abductions in general? No, we, we knew that we were going to go into the second film with, so the Stan's story starts out with lights in the sky. So, you know, the first 30 minutes, 25 minutes of his film is all evidence. And then we move into what happened to him. So tons and tons of evidence. So it starts with lights in the sky and then, uh, you know, what is that type of thing? And then we move into from the lights to uh, abductions and then from the abductions into um, the, the potential that there were sexual reproduction experiments going on to the fact that by the end of the film, we introduce hybrid children. And uh, we figured that with the next film, we wanted to take that a little bit deeper and explore the whole hybrid children connection to the, uh, the abduction phenomena. So that was a, a something that we wanted to do from the very beginning. We had met Sierra Neblina when we were working on the film with Stan. So we had known her for a while, had heard her story. And that always kind of stuck in the back of our minds that that would be an interesting story to follow up on down the road. And uh, when we had the opportunity to pitch uh, an idea to the orchard, this was the one that kind of bubbled up to the top. And we knew that we we would have some really good people based on the connections we had already made. But then we found several other good ones that helped I think, uh, show the depth and breadth of what these people are going through. A lot of corroboration. You know, again, we had nine people that were experiencers. We didn't have hundreds of thousands. And there, There's a lot more than nine people to tell a story, but there was a lot of similarities to the types of stories that you hear over and over again from researchers and investigators. Yeah. Did you notice that the phenomenon at all has decreased in the last uh, decade compared to a previous? Like, I always had in my head that that the abduction phenomena has kind of been like on the wane a little bit. No, I would say we didn't get the impression that it was. And, and here's why I would say that is that the, uh, the women that we talked to had, had had uh, abduction experiences when they were younger that they weren't aware of. And it wasn't until they had some sort of an event, something that was happening in their lives that made them question you know, what was going on that they needed to look into it further. Uh, in Sierra's case, it was conscious. She was conscious when she had her experience. There was no if it ands and buts about it for her. This is what I saw. This is what I felt. Uh, 
But with Geraldine, uh, by back in 2013, she had a, a, a conscious abduction experience, and it made her, it drove her kind of down this hole of wondering what it was all about. And eventually, four years later, had a regression. And that regression kind of opened her eyes to her past. And the same thing happened with April. She was having nightmares. She was having these things happen to her over the course of a two-year period. Husband got tired of, you know, he thought something was up and he recommended that she go and see Yvonne Smith. Got regressed. She didn't think she could be. And she learned a lot about her past and that she had been abducted, both Geraldine and April, around five, six years old. And that this was a common theme for our research and all the women that we spoke with is that when they did their regressions, they found out that they had been abducted at a much younger age. And they recall having some sort of an implant or some sort of a, a they were gathered with other children uh, for the purposes of being monitored. So in Geraldine's case, she talks about having an insert put into her, her uterus so that they could monitor her until she was fertile. And then the whole process begins. And she's only in her she's in her late 30s, mid to late 30s right now. And I guess one of the one of the themes, one of the trends is they will impregnate these women and then eventually later on, like, take that away. Yeah. So there was a couple of different scenarios that we heard and, and discovered during this process. So one is single women, uh, not sexually active, getting abducted, finding out they're pre pregnant. Or in the case of Sierra Neblina, lifelong lesbian, had never been with a man, wakes up one morning pregnant and carries a baby for nearly four months. Shows, has all the science. She said, there was no doubt in my mind that I was pregnant. In, um, in those cases, it's more a matter of uh, a fertile egg is, so they're abducted, an egg is usually taken during an abduction. It is then introduced to other genetic material, kind of incubated for a little bit, and then they're abducted again and it's reinserted. Oh. Other people have had uh, fetuses that were forming based on uh, being becoming pregnant uh, with a spouse or a, a partner. And they would then get abducted and there would be an introduction of a, additional DNA to the, the, the equation. So again, I'm not an expert, I'm just telling the stories, but the thing that we kept hearing over and over again is that there are certain women who are having the latter situation where they're giving birth to children who are basically kidding, considered starseed children or um uh there's another uh, uh, mary rodwell indigo maybe is, or indigo yeah, indigos oh, yeah. and in the in new the new human yeah. and uh it's a fascinating rabbit hole to go down when you have the time to start doing the research go ahead sorry do these kids look oh, different there you go Sorry, do these kids look yeah, different? Yeah, I, I would say that there's uh, visually sometimes there's something. In Stan's case, uh, there he had uh, experiences where he said he was being uh, contacted by children that were like six, seven, eight years old and uh, purportedly a few times had captured them with photographs and also in uh, some people that showed up at his speaking engagements that were witnessed by other people that just didn't look right. So I never had a chance to see any of those uh, myself to say that, yeah, this is definitively what happened. But there was witness testimony that was captured saying that, you know, these experiences with these children showing up without any parents and then disappearing uh, was, came across as unusual. And that was likely at, um, at the conference that you were talking about in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. At the Aquarius, Aquarius Hotel in, uh, in 
Oh, that might, no, that no, was it was in Fountain Hills. Different. It was in Fountain Hills. Now this was the other. Yeah. This was the other one that's held up in uh, Nevada. Yeah, at uh, Laughlin, Nevada. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, there was the Bill Bill Brown. Yeah. one. So yeah, I think yeah. it was one of the last ones yeah. that he had up there. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So yeah, there, there. You know, again, what we're hearing, what we're our research indicated, talking to some of the experts who've done investigations uh, through MUFON and other researchers have said these are stories that they hear over and over again, and they hear these stories of seeing children that are a little bit different. One of the we have had a, a connection to a child just within the last three four months who started sharing information with us that there's absolutely no way this this young child could a young less than five years old could have known and started connecting dots on things related to geography, weather, earthquakes, kind of predicted all the earthquake activity that was happening in California in Southern California about a month ago, back in July. So strange stuff, uh, you know, names of people, uh, connections to their stories, uh, just things that when you're present as they're happening, they really make you question the paradigm that we consider to be our reality because yeah. it's easier to to live in that reality than it is to question something different. Yeah. So the, so the main the main thing that's happening here is is the the supposed ETs are they mostly grays then for this this type of thing? Yeah, it would it not necessarily because uh we did an interview with um Clifford Stone in Clifford Stone for the, our third film. And he talks about, I think it's 47 or 57 different types of um, species. And each one of the species, based on some of the things that we heard during our research, may have a different agenda. We don't know what those yeah. agendas are. Yeah. And they're doing something. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Rob uh, Bullington in the film was having his experiences primarily with mantis beings. And it was more of a consciousness event, you know, so reproduction through shared consciousness and cloning. So that's a whole different story than reproduction in the way that we understand it. Yeah. So yeah, different agendas, most likely for different races. Yeah. So did any of these people that you first started interviewing, like 40 to 50, you mentioned, did any of them have, uh, any my lab experiences? So we say, have you heard of my lab, Darren at all? Yeah. You know, it's the yeah. military. military. That's yeah. a whole, that's a whole nother can of worms for yeah. sure. Yeah. So they didn't have any, any of those. No, mixed no, there were, oh, there were, we, oh. we chose not to go too far down that rabbit hole. We yeah. kind of talk about it briefly in the film and don't really zone in on it because as soon as you start bringing up something uh, that requires a whole film unto itself, people yeah. would be like, what is that? What, what are they talking about? So yeah, uh, Linda or uh, Melinda, uh, Niara and um, Sierra definitely had prior to the film. And uh, Geraldine has definitely had uh Milab experiences really? after the film was made. Oh, yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. The reason I, the, the main reason I asked it is because I, I still question whether, whether it's, um, all happening. No, 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 no. Not whether it's ET or not. Like I, so we go out CE fives, we look for UFOs and we see things. Sometimes when I, when I ask questions out loud, there'll be a big flashbulb in the sky and mm -hmm. everyone will be like, Oh, that's your answer. Like the other day I, I mentioned about the fast walkers going across. If they're like, um, high altitude secret space program craft flying across the planet. And I got two flashes. And then I was thinking about, I was in the middle of asking 
in abductions, do the, is the MyLab like a glitch happening in the, in the, somebody sees through the, the illusion or whatever, and is it a, is it a you know, normal abduction, but it's showing this glitch yeah, and a I flash think, happened in the back. Like, but I, I yeah. hadn't even finished answering it yet. And I was like, so what does that wow. mean? You know, like, well, you don't get, there's not many flash bulbs, but when you ask a, a pretty profound question and you get an answer, it's pretty weird. And I just yeah. had this thought of like, what if people that see the, the military type personnel is seeing somehow a glitch or seeing through the illusion of, you know, it's supposedly being an overlay of a gray or a mantis being or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the like hologram yeah. projector broke. Yeah, malfunctioning. Yeah, like the Wi-Fi's interfering yeah, with it. Like... Her cell phone's ringing. It's like, dang, dang, <laughs> interfering. like, oh my god, it's the U.S. military. Yeah, I can see that. But there are they do they do talk about those things that that there's like the veil is thin in certain places and certain times where there is that little glitchy and they do see something that they're not supposed to see. Geraldine had an abduction experience where she thought it was a handsome man. Oh and right. She said by the time she came into consciousness, it was not. She said it was basically a. a a reptile, almost a right? robotic yeah. type yeah a robotic type experience and rob had seen this a similar thing where it was projected as a a, a tall a tall white or a nordic being and then there was that little glitchy thing where he saw the 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 uh, um the being behind that so the perception that these people have had is that maybe they're we're basically having these uh screen memories implanted so it's easier for us to digest now i don't i i I don't have, yeah. I've never been abducted. I don't know what that, I've never had an experience that I could honestly relate to. And, you know, when I hear stuff like that, the only thing I could think of is, because people are like, well, if they, you know, they're so far advanced, they have the technology, they yeah, can do yeah, whatever that's they what, want. That's what I was going to say, yeah. So why would they have glitches? Well, I think, you know, it. it's more a matter of that they're doing it in the moment so that we're, we're not traumatized in the moment, but eventually it's kind of like the, the secret sauce wears off and, and you kind of start to feel and see what really and truly may have happened to you. Yeah, no, I was thinking more of like in the deep, it, you know, I wouldn't put it past the deep state to be having this whole oh, hybridization sure. program going on and they're testing whatever they want to test on humans and having a whole lineage of test subjects without people really knowing it, taking them away and then you know, having them grow up in some other area, but it all looks ET to us, you know? And well, mm -hmm. what would it be like if the Nazis had won? Probably a lot like it looks like right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, they supposedly were doing all the Nazis were supposedly doing all this crazy stuff. So yeah, there's yeah. that one guy that was good. all about the twins. What was his name? You know, he oh, went yeah, off to, right. yeah. to farm twins for the next 50 years. Let's not get into that tangent. That's a big tangent. <laughs> It is, but I mean, at the same time, it would explain a lot. Well, we did. It, we it did explains more than you think. Rabbit holes. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. It explains yeah. more than you think. Yep. Especially yep. if you look at that as all being a front for the Western Front. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Project Paperclip and all that. And oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. Because you know what Project Paperclip was? Was a fucking extraction. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's not, not just I'm a, at. Not just a... a uh, <laughs> no, it was an extraction. It? Yeah. Extracting as many as they could before the Soviets got there and started. World. Yeah. 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 But this I This is why we're you. not going down that tad. I think yeah. a lot of the abduction stuff is more military and human type stuff. And the actual outside aliens aren't really in contact with us that much. But that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. 
Yeah. And this is the hard part, I think, for us that, that have not had an abduction experience. And it's one of the lines in the film, unless it's happened to you, it's just a story. Yeah. And we, we can't begin to relate to it. But when you're sitting across from somebody and they're telling you, I was in a conscious state of mind when I had this experience. It was not a dream. I was not in, you know, having sleep paralysis. This was something that I was conscious. I was aware of my surroundings. I was aware of what was in front of me. I've talked with other people since the film has come out because once or it, since the film, we started promoting the film. But because once people start to hear that there's something that that resonates with them, that kind of touches upon their personal experience, they start reaching out to you. And that was another one of the reasons why we decided to make this film is at the end of uh uh, when right after uh, the film on Stan Romanek launched in July of 2013 or 2017, we started getting a ton of messages on uh, social media, direct uh, messages and emails about thank you for making this film and putting it out there. Now I know I'm not alone. Now I know I'm not crazy. Now I know that there's other people out there having experiences just like me. Yeah. And that was like a, we had over 700 messages with of that ilk. And it was something that really hit home is that there's a lot of people who are not willing to talk about their stories because they think they're going to be perceived as crazy. Yeah. So, and then something comes along and they see it and they feel like, wow, this validates me. This validates my experience. And that really became a, a, a huge part of this film for me personally. Um, when we had the chance to do the second one, initially I was a little bit hesitant, didn't want to be pigeonholed in this genre. But by the time I was done with the interviews and, and, and had a the interviews on the phone and then had a chance to do the face-to-face -face interviews with these individuals, especially during the interview with, uh, with Melinda, it hit home to me that this was about, this is my reason for being involved in this was not about telling stories about abductions. It was telling stories about humanity, yeah. about the human experience. Yeah. And, and the tone of the film definitely has an essence of it about, uh, you know, creating awareness, uh, understanding that someone who's, who's been through something that you don't understand doesn't mean that you should disregard it. Yeah. That's one of the things that, you know, both Richard Dolan says and Alejandro say in the film is that we need to listen to the stories because yeah. they are presenting us with valuable information if we choose to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I really appreciated the tone of that where it's, it's, uh, about being able to share your experience and, and just being yeah. comfortable to, to talk about things. I really did like that about it. Yeah. And we're hoping that uh, that message resonates because really the film is about creating awareness. You know, we wanted to target the masses. So the center of the bell curve is what we're going for. Yeah. And we wanted them to have an awareness that this is a potential uh, possibility out there. And these people are going through something traumatic. We don't know what it is because we, if we haven't had it, we don't understand it. Yeah. But if, if they're experiencing trauma in some way, we should be compassionate and empathetic towards what they're going through. That is a big, strong point in the film. Yeah. And then the third part really is that we want to encourage people who've had experiences to find community, seek people who can help them better understand what may have, be, may have happened or is happening to them and have them find that uh, tribe that can help them deal with it. And, and, you know, when you realize that you're not alone in this, it, it changes, you know, your dynamic with 
how you interact with other people. Because a lot of people retreat. A lot of them get emotional. There's a lot of depression that, you know, it's like, why me? And they have this roller coaster ride of emotions that they go through. And we've had people in the last two months that have reached out. We had one musician that's based overseas that was saying, I, I can't talk to anybody about this because my career is starting to take off. And uh, I can't, if I do this, it'll, it'll be a kiss of death for me, but I need to talk to somebody. I need to find somebody who could, I can trust and, and tell my story to, to help me re, you know, help me put a place for it in my head. So we help, you know, this person connect with a couple of, uh, 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 he, not healers, but, uh, uh, therapists in this in this space and regression therapists and there was another couple that uh, reached out and said my 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 partner is going through this and the the, the woman was concerned that uh, her partner was uh, something you know it was a negative experience that he was he was pulling in and she was concerned and she said you know is there anything that we can do to help is, do you know anybody that we can talk to that is not going to uh, you know get make his story public so people are entrusting us with that type of information uh, because it looks like we care and we do. And our one of our goals is to hopefully help people make those connections to resources that will help them better understand. And we developed a resource page on our J3 Films website. It's j3films.com slash support. And the, the, that uh, URL is in the, the closing credits of the film. Uh, just before the credits roll, it says if you feel like you need to reach out and need more information about this, go to that website and there's resources on that page that hopefully will help people who are looking for a starting point about uh, how can I help myself better understand what's going on. Those resources are available to help them start the process of uh, research. Yeah. Besides the healing that can happen afterwards by people getting in touch with others and the regression type stuff, was there any direct experiences uh, throughout your your whole process of making the second film of, of healing from from direct experience in a way or any type of extraordinary healing? There, there, or? there was nah, there was awareness uh, for me personally. Uh, uh, everybody had their own like little connections throughout the whole the whole process of aha moments and uh, you know, one of our, our partners, J3 films partners, Jamie Cernoff was more of the, you guys like to play in this sandbox. I'll support you and help you, you know, on the financial side of things and manage the business. Uh, but that's your, that's your thing. But as he went through this journey with us, you know, on set and saw these stories, he started to change his attitude and, and realize that what was happening to the individuals was real to them. So it, it was, he started to realize that I can't be so quick to discount someone's story just because I don't understand it, which is fantastic. Uh, me personally, when we did the interviews with, uh, Geraldine, I had an immediate connection when I, when I, when she opened the door as if I had known her, as soon as she opened the door, it was like a blast of energy. And I was like, Whoa, there's some familiarity there. And, uh, we talked about it, you know, during the interview, we talked about it after when we were doing some B-roll shots in her house, because that's where the abduction had happened. I saw a painting in her room and I was like, oh, wow, I've seen this painting before. This is, you know, thinking that it had been around and it's something that I may have seen online somewhere. And she's like, I just painted that last week. No, no way. So it was one of those <laughs> things for me. It was just kind of like, whoa, that's, that's kind of weird. There's some sort of a cosmic connection here that I didn't quite understand. But her her thought process and her level of understanding and what she's been exposed through takes us into a whole different discussion, a whole different paradigm of 
paradigm of existence that if we're willing to go there, explore it, take ourselves out from this little construct in which we live in now and think big, it changes the way you look at everything. And I think that's one of the challenges with so many people who don't believe is that their paradigm is packed into a nice little neat ball and they don't want to expand that ball at all. They want to stay within that. And anything from the outside that seems to, to interfere with that ball is, appear, appears as a threat to them. So there's an immediate reaction to discount it. That's one of the themes in the film. I'm sure you noticed the the expanding circles, and it, it's based on uh, an essay by uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson called Circles. And the concept behind there is that whenever we expand our our thought, our awareness, our knowledge, and it, there's breakthroughs to the point where we're like, aha, this is what this means. And this takes us to a whole different plane, whether it's math or physics or science or exploration and discoveries on on our planet, biological. It just opens the door to exponentially more questions. It doesn't answer anything. All it does is expand our desire to ask more questions and and seek more answers. And all you have to do is think back to the people who thought that the earth was flat back thousands of years ago. Think about uh, during, I think it was Galileo when, you know, Galileo said that it's a, a, the solar system is the center of the universe and not the, or the center of the, of, uh, the sun is the center of the solar system, not the earth. It was imprisoned for it because that, that was hearsay, heresy. And he just, you know, he's wrong and he had to denounce that. And, I think he had his fingers crossed behind his back and he did so he could get out of prison, but he was right. They were wrong. And, you know, once that was accepted, boom, the circle expands a little bit more and there's more awareness. Now it's, it's, it's ludicrous to think that, you know, the earth was the center of our, our, of our uh, galaxy or of our, you know, the center of everything. It's the sun. We revolve around the sun. The sun doesn't revolve around us. We know that now, but back then they, it was, it was wrong. So take that and extrapolate it out. You know, what is it that we realize today that isn't going to be true 20, 30, 50, 100 years from now? Yeah. Because we're going to have that expansion of the circles that help us better understand the true realities of what this current paradigm in a way that we really haven't contemplated before. Maybe to go back to the earth being at the center. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Well, imagine how fast the circles are going now, too, with technology yeah. and how we're connected. Okay. I mean, it's my little circle. I can feel that happening. More and more questions, you know, realizing more and more things are connected. And people like yourself talking about a completely different subject, but saying the same thing. Like we just had a discussion earlier tonight, and it was very similar, right? Changing the way you think about everything. I mean, that sure. was the, the topic again. Well, it's very interesting, all of what you just said, because I had a positive kind of ET experience when I was five or six, what? somewhere in there. And I always remembered it as a positive thing. And But I've never liked any of the dark ET type movies or the topic mm-hmm. in general or any of that kind of stuff. I just, I'm, I'm not interested in any of that. So I don't know. It's... Yeah. You know, I had that's an something experience, we and now I just don't want to look at the dark part of it or something. And and that's one of the things that we explore in the third film. So the third film is the is basically in three acts. The first act is going to be a history to give people a a perspective perspective that this didn't all start in 1947. 
you know, from 1947 to now is kind of like the modern era of, of UFOs and, and contact. But it goes back much, much further than that. And there's tons of evidence. And there's tons of TV shows and there's documentary films that have focused just on the historical, the biblical, the, the ancient side of it. So we're going to touch upon that for a little bit in the beginning of the film to set some context. And then the, 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 the gist of the second film or the third film is going to be a discussion of the three paradigms of belief. All three of these paradigms believe that uh, there is intelligent life, they're visiting the planet, they're abducting people, and hybrid children are a result of that. And those three different paradigms are the religious paradigm, the biblical paradigm that believes that, you know, this is the great deception. And when this, once the aliens reveal their true selves, then the deception occurs and Jesus returns. Uh, there are people who believe that the Bible is right 100% of the time. 100% right 100% of the time was a mantra that had been instilled in me when we had dis interviews with L.A. Marzulli and uh, Timothy Albarino, who are going to be in the next film. So th they're, they're hardcore believe in that. And then there's the Ascension people who believe that it's something that's positive, that's going to uh, raise the vibration so that we have a better connection to source and an understanding of our place in the universe. And, and there's an interdimensional element in, uh, to all of this that we will have a connection to and a better understanding of our existence. And it'll raise our, our vibration to a higher level. And then there's the Dr. Jacobs crowd, Dr. David Jacobs, who oh. believes that this is colonization. <laughs> And that uh, there's nothing good that's going to come of it. It's it's going to end badly for all of us on Earth. So those are three very very different uh, belief systems and people who are uh, vehement in their defense of their belief system. So we want to bring that to the table because we know that there will be people like you who say I, I've had a positive experience and they will likely fall in the ascension crowd. There are other people who are going to say that I believe firmly in religion and that I, I believe that, you know, this is going to lead to the second coming. And then there are people who are who who and we talk with Richard Dolan, too, and he says, you know, is the research kind of points, unfortunately, more towards what Dr. Jacobs had uncovered. There's really not a lot of evidence that that points to the ascension side and and or the Bible side, other than the the belief and faith that surround those. So, you well, know, from an abduction, right? well, from an abduction standpoint, though, there must be overwhelming evidence of just contactee through through all the other means, downloads, channeling, um, you know, contact. Like we go out with the C fives, that kind of stuff, like. So I think there's, isn't there a, a plethora of evidence there that's not abduction, but still contact Sure. that might fall into that. the Ascension category? I mean, yeah, but I think those would fall into all three because all three of them believe that there, are, there is visitation, that there is contact, that they are, they're here, they're present, they're among us, but the end game really is what they think is going to be different. And, you know, my response to that is I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. Now we just want to present the information that's out there from people who have been studying it, who believe, you know, wholeheartedly that their, their paradigm is the right one. Yeah. And that is, there is a little bit of an underlying current in there that we will be playing with. And that I definitely want to introduce into this is that just because you believe something doesn't necessarily mean it's right. You know, we want to encourage people because we've already had responses to some of the social media sites since the film launched a few days ago where they're saying this is rubbish. This is bullshit. This is, you know, garbage. You know, anybody that believes this is a is a is a nutcase. 
well, why, why do you feel that way? You know, is, is your bubble firmly packed tight with your belief structure? You know, what would cause you to break out of that? And those are the type of things that we want. We want to encourage people to look at both sides or all sides, or maybe all three of these paradigms, do that research, find out what you don't know before you make assumptions and, and uh, commit yourself 100% into an area that uh, sometimes it's hard to believe. And I, and I talk about, I've mentioned this numerous times to people and it, it usually is something that kind of riles people up. So my apologies to those listening if it riles you up, but what's the difference between someone who believes in the faith of their religion and someone who believes in the faith of ufology? Yeah. Where's the proof on either side? We don't have tangible empirical scientific proof. We have faith-based systems. We have evidence and stories on both sides, but yeah. we don't have that empirical proof. Funny enough, it's, that's where we're heading even with information, I think. You know, I think we're like five or 10 years removed from, I mean, we're already there in a lot of ways when it comes to anything political. Anything mm -hmm. politicized is you believe what you want. You know, you got these news right. channels and these outlets. And I think in 10 years, that's going to be, we're going to get back to this thing where everything is sort of faith-based. When we're, mm -hmm. we're running, we got algos that are going to be running our lives on the AI side of things. And you're not, you're running, we're not even going to know what they're up to because they were programmed by other algos that, you know, we've lost control yep. of that a couple of years ago. And, you know, everything's going to go back to faith-based. It's kind of funny in that sense where people, you know, there's, there's very little foresight in that um, not wanting to get into faith-based things, I think, because I think, like I say, I think we're at most a couple decades away from being back to almost a completely faith-based society with or without it, you know, you know, with our, with just because you don't know what well, from a all the information you're taking in, it can be it can be yeah, that's, it can be construed in many different ways, and it can we're be. We're already at the point where we got you know the fake Jordan Peterson talking website. We got all the deep fake video coming out, so we you know we're a couple years away from not knowing who's saying what, when they're saying it, what CGI is happening, or right, yeah, right. And Harry Potter, all, all the bets. Messiah. All bets are about to be off, and you know we're going back to a one hundred percent faith-based civilization. So was Jesus the original star seed? Then he was the that was the immaculate. <laughs> well, conception. I don't know. I guess that's the the question. How long has that. this been and going on? That's the one paradigm for yeah. sure. I, yeah, but I think it um, it goes back before that, and um, we do have an interview that we that we did for uh, we actually did the interview for the seeding. But the context in, in how it fit into a religious discussion would have derailed the message of this film. So we decided that we would save it for the third film and potentially do a standalone story around this. And uh, the person that we interviewed, uh, his name is uh, George Zervos, and he is a Greek Orthodox priest, a former priest, now a teacher at uh, University of North Carolina at Wilmington is instructor there. And he teaches a class there, which basically challenges the Bible. This is coming from a Greek Orthodox priest. He has studied um, the Bible, the New Testament, and some of the things that he shares about the New Testament from somebody who is of the cloth 
is he said, I do the research based on the words that are presented in the Bible, not based on what was said and been interpreted over centuries, but the words that are said. And he said, when you when you compare these word by word, line by line, page by page, he says the plagiarism in the Bible and in the different gospels is is rampant. And uh, he said that there is no original story there. It's just a bunch of plagiarism. <laughs> But he does talk about that because we it's one of the questions we ask is 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 Jesus a hybrid? And he said, well, if you believe you know if if you're talking about having these this being from the sky come down and make this woman pregnant and she's a virgin, yeah, Jesus is the original hybrid child. You know he said that if you want to look at it from that way, there's the mythology around that is no different than what we're talking about. In, in this film. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, that we're talking about today. So yeah. he said, you know, think about it from the time of the people who were present. Uh, they had no concept of what the universe was, let alone the solar system, let alone what was beyond what they could see with their eyes. They yeah. had no idea. Yeah. And if there was something in the sky that was an anomaly, they recorded it. They documented it. That's why things appear, you know, historically, you know, symbolism that could represent, uh, you know, visitors from another realm. Yeah. Yeah, even building on what Darren said there about the, uh, you know, not being able to believe anything or at all coming down to faith. I mean, that's why it's so important that people start sharing their experiences. And that's what we found sure. doing this over the last few years is because so much more now is going to be built on personal experiences and being able to share that back mm -hmm. and forth. And you'll have trust in, you know, I trust you guys to, when you tell me something, that it's the truth. And that's where my faith will come from is, you know, community experiences or my own experiences and not, you know, reading some comment on a blog that could be a bot, you know, or whatever it is. Reality is subjective. Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. Yeah. You know, perception is reality and what you perceive to be the truth is your truth until something shakes it. Yeah. Hard shakes it hard. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, that's one of the things that we're going to encourage people to do by the end of the third film is we present it. We've taken you this far. We, we have just scratched the surface. It's now up to you to, to do a deeper dive based on, the things that have been presented and how it resonates with you. So a big part of the third film will be encouraging people to do their own research, not listen to somebody else's. So if there is a certain thing that you've read about that you don't believe, that's what you should research first is what you don't believe, not what you do believe, but what you don't believe to see, is there any validity to it? Is there a reason why I feel the way that I feel? Is there a reason why I get defensive towards something and try yeah. to better understand it, yeah. you know, and the best thing I could recommend to people who don't believe this is to spend more than a, a minute or two watching a video about a certain person or certain case or certain piece of evidence, spend the time doing the research about their background. And if you can sit down with them and talk with them, spend a day with that individual and then see how you feel after spending that time with them, whether or not you think they're crazy or, or uh, you know, per perpetuating a hoax. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys do a good job in the in the in the movie as well as showing that it's not just happening from a a dark bedroom, you know, with the lights out, right. and it's it's you know there's there's daylight things, there's multiple witness things, there's other people involved, like you said, that can corroborate the evidence. So it's uh, mm -hmm. there's more to it than mm -hmm. just you know lights in the sky and and people uh, getting swooshed out of their rooms in the middle of the night. Yeah, you know, Geraldine's abduction happened in a. a, a a busy suburb of San Jose. It wasn't like she was out in the country somewhere. People are being abducted from high rises in, in major cities all over the world or have abduction stories. 
So, you know, those are things that there's no, there's no, no geographical location that's more prone to it than others. It may be more of a access to, um, information, the ability to tell the story. So some more remote areas that might not have uh, internet or reliable uh, contact through internet and uh, social media channels may take longer for those stories to come out. You may have uh, certain parts of the world where people are like, I'm never going to talk about this because I will be ridiculed. I will be shunned. There are people from a religious point of view. We, one of the women in the film, the one who's silhouetted, this really challenged her faith. She's very much a religious person. And she said, I just don't know how something like this, God could allow something like this to happen. So when, when you have somebody of faith who's had an, a personal experience challenge their belief system, it, it's profound and it's traumatic. And that's something that we really hope is a takeaway for people is that just because I didn't experience doesn't mean that they didn't. The person, you know, on film or someone who shared a story with me didn't experience it. If we embrace them a little bit more and ask questions and, and encourage them to feel comfortable sharing their stories, I think we'll find out there's a lot more people who've had some sort of a contact experience than we realize. Yeah. Like Michael, I don't even, I didn't even think you had one. Did I know about that? You might've told me. Told yeah. You yeah. Yeah. You told me before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a, it was like a, I woke up out of a dream, so yeah, yeah. it very well could have been a dream. And at the time, there were all sorts of alien movies and yeah. stuff that were just hitting the mainstream. So, but it was more of a positive, like you know, um, I was surrounded by friends, and it was the end of a class or something. We were all graduating, packing up our bags, congratulating each other for graduating. And it was like in this biodome kind of thing where you could like zoom in on certain parts of the earth and explore different studies and such. And then when the people, as we all said goodbye to each other, then they started to like fade back away from me. And then there were just my cl close group of like three friends. And then there was just one person and then they were okay. So if you're good here, then we're going to go. And then they kind of like, got further and further away and I kind of watched them until they were just a twinkle in the sky. Wow. So, I mean, I don't, I, I would never consider that an abduction story, but I also didn't share that story or feel comfortable sharing that story shit until I met you guys basically. <laughs> but you know, until not too yeah, long ago, yeah, yeah. humanity yeah. just wasn't our culture or society just was not ready. It's to taboo hear still. That. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, How's it, how's it come off uh, so far? It's been out for a few days. Has there been, besides yeah, some of those response, negative comments it, it and launched, stuff? Yeah, there's always going to be, and that's fine. That's yeah. okay. I don't oh, get, yeah. I don't let yeah. any of that bother me too much. Yeah. Some of my partners are ready to, to jump on and go toe to toe verbally with these people. At least it's not worth it. No. You know, no. if they want to find, you know, more out about it, they'll, they'll find it on their own terms. We're not preaching. We're not pushing this down anybody's throat. It's, it's there for people who are, interested it enough to watch it and, and experience from it. And one of the things that, that we've, we've seen happen to people who've seen screeners of it. So it's screened at two film festivals at three, one, two, three showings and talking to people afterwards during the Q and a, and then afterwards, you know, out in the parking lot, sometimes in the foyer, sometimes grabbing a bite to eat. People are telling us that, you know, this film triggered something with me. It triggered a memory. We've had a couple of people who've watched it prior to doing uh, radio and, and, and 
podcast say that I, I something happened while I watched it. It triggered something in me and it, it brought me back to a, a, a memory that I had that I completely forgot about, but it made me, it opened my mind to it. It opened the, the door to that again, to that experience. And uh, one woman in particular said, I need to process this before I truly understand what the trigger event was. She said it's it was pretty profound when I was watching the film, the impact that it had. And we had that when we screened it in Pasadena uh, in March, we had a whole bunch of people in the audience that that broke down and cried during the movie. Wow. There was like six or seven different people who had experiences based on what they were watching, reacting to what they had seen. And in talking to them, you know, their their they said their response was based on it brought something, it it, it triggered something, it awakened something within them that was profound. Yeah. So I don't know the details of what those were, and I don't know if it was a connection to something in the past or if it just, you know, made their skin crawl. I'm not quite sure, but this is something that has happened in more than one occasion. And that to me is, I think, a good thing. It's not necessarily, it's not, I'm not sharing this because it's spooky. I think it's making people realize that I may have something in my past that I was burying or that had been kind of hidden away that I now need to, if I choose, uh, do a little bit more research and find out, you know, what that might be. Yeah, what there that might historically be a, might be for me. Yeah, there might be a lot of unconscious trauma that people need to sure helping them process yeah 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 and that's a big part of you know we're not we're not out to change the world but if we know that we can help some people better understand what might be happening to them or have happened to them or to take it a little bit deeper then then that that would be something we we could be proud of yeah yeah so you mentioned the cosmic uh sort of i can't remember the word you used um, and then Geraldine's story as well when you met her was there any other kind of synchronistic moments or any kind of you know, cosmic-y type things that uh, happened to you. We had a couple people on to doing films like this, and I mean, this, some of the stories are crazy of uh, profound moments or synchronicities or things that just shouldn't be happening. Yeah, we've had some things, not necessarily in the moment of making this film, the, 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 the thinking that went into um, all of us after we did the full-day interview with Geraldine, it was like we were all mentally exhausted after spending eight, nine hours at her home interviewing her because it was so, a lot of it was very cerebral, very spiritual, very metaphysical, very interdimensional uh, multiverse versus, you know, just having a conversation about an abduction. It was really big picture stuff. So there's that, that, that trigger of, okay, maybe I need to think about this from a different perspective. And yeah, where we went from the conversations that we had as a result of having that type of exposure to a different paradigm was, well, when a disclosure occurs, if it does, whether it's from the government or it's from the us who, who un, you know, there is finally a tipping point where people believe that this is happening and more stories get shared and it becomes something that's more of a common knowledge. When that happens, what does that mean? It doesn't mean just like, oh, the government was lying or, oh, you know, now we know they're out there. It means it could mean that we're there is a technology that we can't comprehend. It could force us to realize that there are multidimensional existence that we can't relate to. But yet once we're exposed to them, all of a sudden we have the ability to move through them. That, that's a whole different world that we can't even begin to comprehend. We're 3D beings. We think linearly. 
We don't we don't think about moving interdimensionally. So that's a big part of like a, a profound moment for all of us working on this is that what we don't know is more could be more impactful than we could possibly imagine yeah. if this happens in our lifetime where that the, 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 the understanding occurs. Yeah. So that's a pretty, you know, pretty profound thing. We've had some things happen uh, as a result after the film, some synchronicity things that have happened that uh, don't make sense at all with uh, timing of things and people who've contacted us and just, you know, it, it makes it wonder is, you know, is it more a matter of it being a coincidence or have things been lining up? And I could even say that, you know, I will, I'll go all the way back to 1990, I think 1996, uh, Jack, um, Roth went with some friends to visit the Myrtles plantation, went to new Orleans and then went to visit the Myrtles plantation, which is well known in the Southeast as being one of the most haunted, uh, mansions in, you know, in, in the United States. And it's been, on TV shows and written about, and there's tons of activity there. If you ever want to go to some place and have an experience, that's the place to go because chances are pretty good. You will, whether you stay there for one night or for a weekend. Uh, but when he was there, he took some photos, not intentionally, but when he had the film developed, and this is back in the film days before digital, he, he had images on there that just were shocking, you know, of, of a plasma energy shape of a girl and then a disembodied spirit floating over a front porch that we wound up showing to Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are the, you know, the world's most foreknown uh, uh, paranormal investigators back in the 70s. They're the ones that did The Conjuring. They were the ones that did Amityville Horror. They're the ones that did all these research and these things. They're very well known. Had a chance to show the images to them. One of them, Ed said, was like, well, this, the, the plasma one, that's, something that you see. And these are for anybody who's been doing research, they've seen these. He says, but this other one, I've never, he goes, this, where'd you get this? And, uh, it was one of those things where he said, it's, it's a top five photo that I've seen in my 40 years of doing investigations. So it was one of those moments where it was just kind of like the, the switch was flipped on and, and more so with Jack than with me at that time, we wound up putting together a concept for a TV show, a 10 minute proof of concept for a show that was called hauntings where we, we went with uh, paranormal investigators and psychic mediums into locations and filmed them doing their thing for the investigation and captured some crazy stuff. So we pitched it as a TV show. Nobody was interested. <laughs> Seven years later, uh, Most Haunted comes out in England and basically changes the entire paranormal universe yeah. on television. So we yeah. were way ahead of the, the game there on that. But that was a profound moment. That was one of those things that was a catalyst for everything that, that happened after that. And, uh, you know, the things that happened with Stan uh, were, you know, they're two by fours of the head, you know, waking up moments. But to me, the the big thing that changed everything was getting a call out of the blue, unsolicited, had kind of forgot that the film, uh, you know, was done, completed, didn't make the money back that we needed to pay off the people who loaned us money. Really upset about that, kind of gnawing in the back of your head. Then get a phone call out of the blue from the orchard saying, we want to distribute your film. Why? Yeah, Where did yeah, that come from? Yeah. It kind of makes you think, you know, was, was, was that a coincidence? Because everything that's happened after that has been 
unbelievable (laughs) for us who have been involved in this. And some of the things that happened in the last three months and the connections that we've made with people that have lined up to present us with opportunity to do things that we never thought we would be able to do have, have manifested. And, you know, it may be a matter of us putting ourselves in that path and, and then just getting caught up in the current, or it could be a matter of this, we were nudged into the, into the stream type of thing. Yeah. Maybe you got a magician on the staff. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Could be. They're more common than you think. (laughs) Magicians or or warlocks or wizards? Well, magicians, yeah. Modern day shaman, manifestors and tenders. Sure. People (laughs) who can tweak the simulation in their favor. Now we're back to D&D again. That bubble can overlap into other people's realities and drag them along for the ride. It could be you. Sure, you could be the magician and yeah. not even know it. Yeah. I could be. I might be. I might be. Yeah. You do seem have sort of magical. ponder that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's just a blurry background, but you're really giving <laughs> off a, a warlock. Giving off the magic vibe, yeah. the magician vibe? Yeah. I want to run with that one. You should. And then the next thing you know, this will be like the new Independence Day, but it'll be more, you'll have some more creative control. It'll be a blockbuster. Boom. Everyone's like, that's it. We're in. I mean, that is amazing. We do do have some things that we're, we're, that have, that are more scripted in nature that have manifested as a result of this. I had a, this was back in 2011, 2010, 2011 timeframe. I uh, woke up one morning and it was just around the holidays. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I had this entire story in my head. Wow. You know, where I was like, oh, I got to write this down. And I just sat down at my computer and just mind dumped That's this the whole download thing. right there. And it was. And I, I'm convinced that it was a download because I had never had this in my head before. And I spit it out and uh, it was all there. And it basically is a story. Um, uh, originally thought of it as a graphic novel, like a three-part series graphic novel. But... I've talked with people about it since then. They're like, this would make a great film or a miniseries that it connects. And one of the people that uh, read the script from a, um, not a script, but a treatment from the um, uh, perspective of I'm connected to all of this said that you're, what you documented here is more, is more real than you, than you, than you realize <laughs> that it's, it's, it's a, it's a reality that, that exists. And, you know, it was obviously a gift to you. So I, you know, again, do I believe all that? I don't know, but you know, like you're saying, I might be a magician, so maybe I should, I should own that. There you go. Yeah. Hey, Darren, you're, yeah, you're intuitive. The force Darren. is strong with you. Yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least own a tall pointy cap. Yeah. <laughs> hey, get one of those. I like, I would, I, I could rock that. Yeah. I could rock that. Grow the beard out a little bit more, get a little bit of that wistful warlock look. That's it. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I'm an Indian, so it kind of comes in a little patchy, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, I won't go bald, so that's a good thing. Um, what, do you have like any social media accounts or anything for the film or websites sure, best, or any place? If anybody wants to learn about this, uh, to see the trailer, to order the film, uh, I would recommend they go to extraordinarytheseating.com. It's a website that kind of can, you know, that's a launching point for uh, purchasing the film. It's an on, on available, it's available on different, uh, several different platforms uh, that are all listed on there. And if you have a preferred plat, there's a genius link. And the way these genius links work is if you have a Mac and you click on the genius link, it should open up in iTunes. If you're in a, uh, um, on your TV and you have a smart TV and you use 
red box, it should automatically open it in your preferred platform. Oh, that's but cool. it doesn't always work because we've had some people are like, it's just popping up on you on, on iTunes and I don't use iTunes. What can I do? And if you go to the uh, extraordinaryseating.com, all of the links are there for you to click on your preferred platform. And there's, I think, a, nine or 10 different platforms that it's available on right oh, now. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. And we're on Facebook. Um, uh, that's where a lot of our engagement is, is on our Facebook page. So it's facebook.com EX2, the seating. Um, so uh, EX2 for extraordinary too. So EX2, the seating is the, the, the Facebook page. So those would be the two places that I would direct people to. Where can I get a hat? <laughs> Where can you get a hat? Well, actually, I love the, it's an extraordinary hat. Oh, it's an extraordinary <laughs> hat. I need a hat. So we we actually are in the process of uh, starting up a, a Patreon account, and we're going to have swag that goes along with that. And we're in the early stages of building out a uh, shopping cart that includes uh, caps and T-shirts and other things. Eventually, there it's in its very primitive form right now. And I think it might be on the the extraordinary the seating website. There's a merch um, tab in the in the menu. So I will take a look. I'll get you a hat. This is a one of a kind one too. This is oh, the only it. one of its kind that exists. Very <laughs> nice. unique. Yeah, it's very good. I like the it. unicorn. Does it have the seating on the back, or is it just extraordinary? No, it just has. Okay. A, oh yeah, that's itself. nice. Yeah, good. Right here. I'll yeah, trade you for some Grimerica branded magic mushrooms. <laughs> I think. <laughs> We'll work something out. Allegedly, something yeah. Out. <laughs> well, this is great. I mean, I didn't watch the film yet, so I'm going to have to check it out now. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I thought it was awesome. good. I thought it was really good, yeah. I'm not a big alien guy, but you sold it. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, well, too. I think I one of the things interested in this one, I am well, excited. One of the to things see. that I I'm I'm adamant about, and I, I might get shot by my distributor for this, but I think the trailer appeals to uh, people who are interested in the uh, more fantastic elements of ufology, the, the, the shock, the shock value. I think the essence of this film is more of an emotional one. Yeah. And I think it really plays to women who have had any woman who has had a miscarriage or any, any person who's been through a sense, had a sense of loss, a relationship, a yeah. loved one. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you, you can, it, you can connect to that. And if we can all find a, connection to compassion and empathy that would serve anyone who's had a traumatic experience, whether it's a, an abduction or anything. And if we, that resonates with people and we can sing Kumbaya a little bit more frequently, that would be a good thing. So, you know, I, I think that there's a large audience for this film. I don't think it's just a, a UFO genre film. Definitely. Definitely. I, I hadn't considered the archetype of the Virgin mother before. So that's yeah. an interesting angle for me yeah. to open up a can of worms. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the, the one that sticks out in this film is, is Sierra because she's a lesbian and she's never been with a man and she was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Sierra, the lesbian. There you have it. Big thanks to John for coming on the show. Come back anytime. Come back when number three comes out. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Yeah. We'll you should come on when that comes out. Yeah. 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 We're hoping it'll be about a year from now. So perfect. we'll do it all over again. Yeah. Perfect. Let's Absolutely. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks okay. a lot. We'll put links in all the show notes and we'll, We'll push this episode out a little quick because we know you've just launched. So we'll, we'll try and push you to the front yeah. of the line yeah. since you're getting us some hats. Okay. <laughs> Set it up.
Thanks, buddy. I'll, I'll have my. I'll talk to my guys. They'll talk to your guys. Okay. And set up. Grabs the guy. <laughs> Just as long as you put it in the background on the uh, the oh. Sasquatch. Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh, yeah, you bet. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I'll wear it okay. when yeah. I go on. Okay. Uh, yeah. When I go on expeditions. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. Okay. Nice Thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate okay. the opportunity. Right on. Have a good night. Okay. That was our chat with uh, John, John Sample. Yeah. What'd you think, buddy? Yeah, I know you're excited good. about this He was this very, uh, you know, you never know because I, I haven't, I just watched the movie. I haven't listened to him. And we might have, uh, at the first it was going to be him and another guy, but he's at the Congress, UFO Congress right now. Oh. But it's interesting to to find out how well-spoken he is about the oh, subject. Yeah, he's very and articulate. And it was yeah. fantastic. I mean, he had me enthralled the whole time. And it's amazing how much of it comes back to the same stuff we talk about, cultivating compassion and empathy for people and understanding and listening and sharing stories. Like, it seems like whatever topic we're on about, it's, it's it comes back to that. It's weird how it all sort of ties in together. A new reality, too. And, like, you know, what if this really is going on? How does it's that like change? It's like the corks. Our- the cork, sh- the screw? corkscrew and fucking whatever that is the podcast streaming through reality just is sucking things in and sticking them all together. It's yeah, it's a weird thing. I mean, that's why me and Joe Rupert, I have such a good time talking to Joe Rupert about because um, all that like personal growth and relationship and emotional growth and all that sort of stuff, and even the like intention and all that ties into. Yeah. his world perfectly yeah. and it's just all these different angles that I haven't considered so yeah, it all ties in it's all I mean ultimately we're just trying to figure out the secrets of the universe so it should all tie in somehow we're just trying to be happy 42 the secret about being happy no I mean, we're just, just stop trying, to be, trying to be happy and just be happy yeah yeah, yeah that was good yeah, you so, guys should watch it. It was really well done. It check was out very, very well done. Yeah. It's on and it has net. a lot of these, that's why I brought it up at the beginning. It has a lot of these UFO guys like Richard Dolan, Mark D'Antonio, and, and Alejandro Rojas are, that are, you know, they're open to all this stuff, but they're very skeptical. They want to follow evidence, right? They're very evidence-based, and it was good that he's able to get those guys on there. Like, that shows a lot that they did a film like that, and they had the guys that run the Open Mind Con- uh, Conference Congress uh, on the show. That was pretty, pretty good. Cool. There you have it. Big thanks to John for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Of course, you get an even bigger thanks pat on the back. Big old Grand American hug if you're a supporter of the show because we fucking love you and we couldn't do this without you. And all of Grand America bows before you. So support the show. GrandAmerica.ca slash support. Up your karma. Boost your game. And help us keep doing shows like this. Yeah. Help get Graham some food. This guy hasn't eaten. It's been almost a week. He's going to crush some Tim Hortons on the way home, maybe. Michael and I are going to try and talk him out of it, we'll see what we can do. We can't promise anything. But, uh, yeah, grandamerica.ca slash support. It really does give us the gas to just keep on going with these podcasts. We'll pop two out. Another double episode week for you guys, just because he's so lucky. Uh, I think that's about it. Because you're so generous. If I could yeah. just make it home, I got no food in the house. Like I threw away <laughs> stuff. Was it you that told me to do that? Flashing yeah. neon I already signs. had. I already had nothing in there, and I just chucked everything. You got to drive. And I even put the coffee maker away. Put the you toaster by, away. The counter's empty. The fridge is empty. Man, you got to drive by Tim Hortons and the Golden ready, Arches. When you're ready to stock up. Yeah, I'm gonna start. We'll periscope your. Shopping oh, dude, adventure. we should go down to Rodney's. I'll tell you, it's the best fish and chips in town. I'm fucking hooked. You want to go there now? It's not open right now. <laughs> it's not, it's Can you not. make it till lunch tomorrow? You know what? 
I could make it to lunch. Lambert owes me a lunch. I could make it to you lunch. You could make it to lunch. You could make it to dinner. And I know that's dinner, the problem. You can make it through one more sleep. I know, but no, I just it's worth Rodney's I, baby. The problem is, like my weekend, I can't keep doing this for the weekend. I need to cook all day Sunday. Oh, you should have planned that. I better. need to. Well, does beer battered fish uh, break your uh, sobriety? No. No. Okay. No. Hope not, eh? Otherwise, no. it was out the fucking window a decade. <laughs> I never, never made it a year. Uh. uh yeah, I don't know if breaded fish and French fries is really the best. Thing no, it's not the best. Thing you should like <laughs> ease into some like some chocolate cake. No, I like you should probably just hit like chopped leaf and get a salad. That's what with, I was with thinking. With no protein, yeah. yeah, really big salads. How you should go? That's yeah. what I was thinking. You I was thinking of, or you know what I was thinking of doing is maybe doing uh, like broccoli and and spinach and and uh, asparagus and a nice steak. Ooh, there you go. I wouldn't do meat yet, but fish maybe. The slower you go, the better your system will uh, adjust. Yeah, I know. I just feel like horking out. If you just if you, like, if you hammer like down so the fucking waffle sandwich, you just wasted the last five days oh of God, fasting. You're gonna feel like it's a rock has just been. Hit. Oh yeah, you're probably gonna crash your car on the way home because you're all jacked. <laughs> all the excited. Go back right in. to the drive-through again. Get another one. I'll take two more. <laughs> you and just... a dozen donuts. <laughs> He'd be on the news for berating the poor Carl's yeah. Jr. Yeah, yeah. Then he broke into fucking Carl's Jr. and stole all the fucking. I've never been happy there. Meals. Carl's Jr. Oh, oh man, there's something about their jalapeno fucking poppers. Really? Really? There's something that they put in it. We got to wrap this up. The sign, and I'd just be like, we I can't. have to pull over. I'm not even hungry, but I'm still pulling. I over. Know. Oh my god, that's Those like the, that's like the, the waffle sandwich for me at Tim Hortons. This is why I prefer to do. Just do fucking the hundred push-ups and the hundred sit-ups, and then you can just eat whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, you know, yeah well, that's what that's what part of my downfall was. My no exercise whatsoever for two and a half months, and that's. But just you're a professional it. athlete. I sprained my knee. Professionally sliding. I sprained hard. my knee. The one day he walks in, <laughs> he walks into work, and I'm just like, "Listen, man, <laughs> I gotta say, I was like, you look terrible. You look the worst you've looked <laughs> as long as I've known you." I was like, you're getting chubby. You got a gut. Is that what, isn't that when I rolled out the fast? And he's like, I'm the heaviest I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, I'm going on a fast. It'll be okay. Yeah. So here we are. We're yeah. resetting Graham back Reset. to the Graham he was five years ago. Yeah. Good. That's great. Yeah. Back when I was doing yoga and, and yeah. exercising really and eating clean. I just have to find a balance with junk food because I, I I need to not, eat a little bit of it. I, I, I can't. I don't think I can do that. Why? No. I, too, I ate like, a bunch of candy last night. Because sometimes I go to recovery meetings, there's junk food in there and oh, people are go snacking. And then don't go. D&D, there's <laughs> snacks at D&D. Like, I don't want to just avoid snacking all the time. I need to yeah. find the balance. I'm telling you, the candida thing really helped me break the sugar addiction. Yeah, I'm almost really up to did. 50 push-ups in a shot. I'm still not... I still don't know that. Do you want to do push-ups for us? Polly's gonna talk? no. Polly's gonna beat me. I'm trying to get him back in. Oh, I see. We're racing to a hundred. I I my shoulders were so once. bad after the all this gluten and the sugar for the last couple oh, months. Yeah. Get, my shoulders were sore from not even doing anything. Like well, yeah, I couldn't even do push-ups. It's it was yeah. A, just yeah. It's, so it was really because they worried that my shoulders were way better there for a while at the beginning oh, of the year. He did it. You did a day of the challenge. Graham started the challenge out of just, we were hitting here, we we're in the lobby of the yeah. studio here. He's like, let's do some push-ups right now. Never again. 
That's I'll okay. Once you get the fast, you start eating some healthy food again, you're feel good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Are we still recording? Soon. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. You can start shuffling. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah. And we'll see you next week. Started writing down a list of things to do. Number one on the list of things to do was to write a list of things to do. Number two on the list, a little more nihilist. Roll down, the cake is a lie. There is no spoon. Johnny flipped out, they put him in a rubber room. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Started to carve my initials into a 150 foot tree. Forgot who I was, where I was, cut my hand, and it began to bleed. Was only looking to leave my mark in the bark in the park. Now I'm in agony. I have no name. My legacy is written in the sparks in your brain. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Hide all your money under your mattress. You call your enemy a fascist. Somebody call an ambulance. The sky is falling. Johnny crumpled up, threw away his list of things to do. Instead he got to jot down his life, but legacy manifesto, manifesto. Live by principles of peace, mix it with charity. Don't leave the next generation in a world of scarcity. Johnny wasn't a commie, he was my fellow man. Johnny wasn't a commie, he was my fellow man. Johnny wasn't a Nazi, he was a firebrand. Johnny wasn't a Nazi, he was a firebrand. You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling Hide all your money under your mattress You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling Hide all your money under your mattress You call your enemy a fascist Somebody call an ambulance The sky is falling Somebody call an ambulance, the sky is falling.